Fallout, a news podcast for geeks by geeks, where our hosts talk news headlines, comics, tech, and have in-depth discussions on all things geek. Keep calm and venture into the wasteland. Well, hello, fellow podcast listener, and welcome to Geek Follow Reloaded, the news and discussion podcast for geeks by geeks. I'm your host this week. My name is Chris Lockhart. And joining me this week is my co-host in crime, Mr. Kevin Deeson. How's it going, Kev? It's going well, Chris. A, a lot happening since last we talked, and uh, I think we got a lot to dig into for this one. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, for this up for this week, it'll be just Kevin and I. Uh, Ragnar, I I know he's got some time off right now uh, between shows, so I think he might be uh, busy either preparing for the next show or or out. You know, enjoying this free time. And Lillian, I think we'll be back next episode because uh, she had other plans this evening. So it'll be just Kevin and I again this week, but uh, our other co hosts will be back um, probably next time. Uh, but unfortunately, we have to begin, as always, with our in memoriam segment. Um, so I have three. Uh, people that unfortunately passed away since our last recording of Geek Fallout Reloaded. Uh, first up, I have the Iron Sheik. Uh, yep. he, he died June 7th of 2023 in Fayetteville, Georgia. I apologize apologize if I got that uh, name wrong, but I believe that is Fayette. No, sorry, Fayetteville, Georgia. Um, but he was 80. So, you know, like that that's a good run. But, uh, you know, still unfortunate when uh, when when they pass. So, Kev, what are your thoughts on uh, the Iron Sheik? <clears throat> I say good. I mean, good long life. Uh, the transitional champion to enter to begin the the rock and wrestling era. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Backlund was champion. Iron Sheik defeated him, and then Hulk Hogan defeated Iron Sheik, and that started Hogan's first title reign, which lasted like a little over three years. Yep. Um, there was one ended by Andre and the evil referee, like in between WrestleMania three and four. Yeah. But you needed Iron Sheik to get that title on your All American Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And then after that, because uh, you know when I started watching Hogan era was already. You know, he was already the champ and all. And now Iron Sheik is teamed with Nikolai Volkov, uh, tag champions at one point, as, you know, just evil foreigner tag team. And, you know, Patui on everything. Uh, Iron Sheik was even in the Hulk Hogan Rock and Wrestling cartoon. Yep. Um, and you, you also had, uh, you know, Vince McMahon between uh, Primetime Wrestling and Tuesday Night Titans, you know, having all sorts of skits and everything, too. And Iron Sheik just always seemed up for every, like, all sorts of ridiculous stuff. Yeah. You know, like such a, you know, the, the version I saw was just such a cartoon character. hmm But enjoyable as hell. And then you see, you know, over the years I've seen, like, just what a ridiculously strong, talented person he was in this prime i'm like god he could have beaten anyone's ass mm-hmm. uh absolutely jack he was a alternate for the iranian olympic team i believe in judo hmm. but it could have been just wrestling i'm not entirely sure there yeah 
Um, so, you know, he, he was an alternate, wasn't in there. The only Iranian world champion, I mean, like, he still to this day wouldn't shock me if that's a record that always stands for it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, he, later in life, he got to be, uh, sort of comedic for just, you know, the stuff you'd say, not really holding back. Like Howard Stern would have him on all the time. Yeah. Just, you know, let him rant and all. You know, he became very cartoony. But one of the things coming out was like, yeah, he was this character. He was a character we wrestled. He was a character, you know, later on as well. But there was a family man in there. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, he did this stuff to pay the bills. He loved all of his kids and he was married to the same woman for forever. And just, you know, all these people think of him, but, you know, that knew him not as this character, but as what sounds like a genuine good guy. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just so funny how, you know, the, the, I, I've noticed it a lot in wrestling in my fandom. A lot of times the ones you hate the most turns out to be the best people behind the scenes. That is true. And then, yeah, some of the people you like the most actually turned out to be some of the worst people behind yeah. the scenes. Um, and, I, I was actually watching um, on YouTube, there was this documentary about Brooke Hogan. And, man, Hulk, he, it didn't make him look good. Um, no. You know, like when, his, like when his son got into that car accident and killed that, or not killed him, but uh, he, um, his passenger ended up with, like, life-altering injuries, like, I think he's like a quadriplegic, yeah. and and he's he's just messed up. Like he, like I, aside from being a quadriplegic, I think there's like severe brain damage, so he's not all there. I think, and so anyway, Hulk's talking with his kid who's in prison, and of course they record all the conversations, and so of course somebody released the, these conversations. And it did not sound good. It sounded like he just did not give a shit about this kid. Um, who his kid, you know, forever altered his life. And his kid was um, more interested in his next reality show. Um, yeah. And, and making money. Um, and then there was the whole thing with, you know, him with Bubba the Love, Love Sponge's wife and ugh. yeah well and uh blatant racism for who brooke can and cannot date yes yep there was that too yep oh but i mean so so here's iron cheek with his you know character of hating america yeah it turns out to be the great family man yeah and our, our great american hero and say your prayers and train and eat your vitamins is horrible yeah yeah, yeah. It was, like watching that documentary, uh, I came out of it feel, feeling really sorry for Brooke Hogan because uh, she, I think, is really the like the way this documentary was painted. She really was like, you know, the better one in that family, and unfortunately, a lot of her career stuff got derailed because of the shenanigans that were going on. With her, with her brother and mom and dad and stuff. and But anywho, um, yeah. Sometimes they say you, you shouldn't get to know your your heroes because you'll 
oftentimes be disappointed. And and when I was a kid, Hulk Hogan was one of my heroes. I had I had my Hulk action figure. Uh, I had Hulk Hogan shampoo. You know, he was the wrestler that I that I loved. And um, yeah. But anyway, uh, the Iron Cheek. Um, yeah, great guy. Unfortunately, passed away. Next up, uh, I have Treat Williams. He died at 71 from a motorcycle accident on Monday, June 12th. Um, for those who may not remember, like he's one of those actors that you just recognize, like you see him and you're like, that guy. But you don't. You might not remember where you've seen him. Um, so, uh, so his name was Richard Treat Williams. He was born December 1st, 1951. He was an American actor known for his work in film, television, and theater. He came to prominence with his appearances in the 1979 films Hair and 1941. He was also known to television audience for his portrayal of Dr. Andy Brown on WB's Everwood. His accolades include nominations for two Screen Actor Guild Awards, three Golden Globes, a Primetime Emmy, two Satellite Awards, and an Independent Spirit Award. Um, so that's probably where I remember him is, you know, watching WB and seeing them uh, advertising Everwood, because he was like the main star of that show. Um, so yeah, he was in Miss Congeniality 2, uh, he was in 127 Hours. Um, he did a lot of Hallmark stuff, I think. Um, he was in television film of uh, Streetcar Named Desire and The Late Shift. Uh, he was in Blue Bloods, the um, oh, uh, Tom Selleck series. Um, and, he w and he actually played uh, Danny Zuko. The original on the original Broadway run of Greece in 1972 so he was the John Travolta character um, but yeah unfortunately he passed away Monday from a mo motorcycle accident um, and it just you know it I, I love motorcycles but I would never ride one on the highway never um, Unless it was one of them three-wheeled ones, like the tricycle style. Um, they're just... Aside from... Because, I mean, I, I like I don't know about you, Kev, but uh, when I was growing up, I had uh, a trail bike, which is like a step up from a dirt bike. Um, it's one level up. Like, uh, like my trail bike, I could actually... I could have licensed, and I could have actually driven it on a highway if I had wanted to. But I never did. Um, because, you know, I, I there's just no protection. Like, when when there's you in a, in a car, you know, like, there's just no way. Um, and, and I'm not knocking people at, you know, motorcycle or anything like that. Uh, I got some friends that, you know, motorbike. Uh, my brother-in-law, he, he's big into uh, motorcycles, but for myself, I just, you know, there's just too many motorcycle accidents, too many tragedies, um, because yeah, when it comes between a motorcycle and a car, a car's going to win every time. That's just the way it is. 
Um, you know, at least with the like the three wheeler style, I think you're more visible with those, and there's obviously more stability. Because uh, another issue with motorcycles is stability. Um, like I've I, like on my trail bike, I I wiped out a few times. Um, you know, on a gravel road, and and it sucks. Um, but yeah, when it comes to taking it on a highway, I'd never do that. Uh, even even in a town, because I think this, I think he died in, I want to say Los Angeles. So I don't even, oh no no, he was somewhere else. Sorry, I think he might have been in Oregon or something. So he might have been on a highway. Um, but yeah. So Kev, what are your thoughts on on Treat Williams or or motorcycles in general? And, and like I watched a ton of WP stuff, but uh, he he's a that guy actor for me. Yeah, and you know that's nothing against him. It's just you know recognizable, but a, a that guy. Yeah. Um, he posted on his, I think it was his Twitter, like the day beforehand, just you know, have drinking his coffee or beer or whatever the heck, like just having a drink in his backyard, mm-hmm. hanging out enjoying life and it was like a day before he had this accident uh my friend will shared it like that's horrible yeah you know like no idea that's what was coming but just enjoying the moment for himself and all and i mean at least he had he had the moment you know he seemed to be happy but like it's just awful to see stuff like that happen um if i like I, i remember my uncles when they were younger having motorcycles and you know all, there's all stories and I remember seeing like scars on their legs from oh here's where I rolled over and I got asphalt in my legs and you know had to go to doctors and stuff like that and I could never do you know like one of the ones for speed like I mean I'm not I'm never going to do a motorcycle anyways no but I like I, I like the Harleys that you can sit back on and the handlebars are up high and you could go like you know 20 an hour you know, like country roads, just kind of like that would be the if, if I was to ever do it, that would be the way to do it. Yeah, you're 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 going, you know, just like a, a town speed limit kind of speed. So if anything happens, you're not screwed over. You're not going to die. You'll be hurt, you know, but you're not going to die or anything for it. You're just a laid back ride. I could I could see the enjoyment for that, mm-hmm. but it's the ones. It's the ones when you're on a highway that go zipping by you and weaving in and out of cars. It's like, what do you think's going to happen? Yeah. Like, eventually, you, uh, something bad's going to happen. And and this is not an attack on any motorcycle rider listening. But, like, around here, we have a lot of, like, highway signs and, and stuff like that. It says, look twice, save a life. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be, like... You know, watch out for motorcycles when you're signaling or crossing lanes or stuff like that because they're smaller than a car. You might not see them. They might be in your blind spot. Yeah. Okay, valid. I understand that. But how about don't drive your motorcycle like an asshole and I will be more likely to see you. Yeah. Because like, I'm sure you, know, you, you got to drive for, for work and, you know, to get to work and everything and, yeah. you know, going to conventions and stuff. When you're on a highway, some motorcyclists come zipping by and weaving in and out. It's like, you are going to die if you keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's going to be no one's fault but your own. Yep. It drives me insane. Yeah. And, and 
that's the thing. Like, and, and again, not, yeah, I'm not saying that that's what caused his death. No, no, no. I'm just using this as a, yeah. as a tangent. Yeah, and and I totally get that because I I completely agree with you, Kev. Um, because I I have a friend, and I don't know. He he rides motorcycles and he posted on his Facebook something about like don't be an asshole. Keep you know. And the, I think it was that saying you said, like, look twice, you might save a life. And and he, and he kind of went on this rant about, because I think he almost got hit by somebody who didn't see him. And then I, like, I didn't say anything. But I felt like saying, well, did did they know you were there? Like, like you're the one that's on the the motorcycle. You're the one that's in the, the smaller vehicle. You're the one that's harder to see. You should be making sure that they know you're there. Um, like, not all, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I think in his mind, he was thinking that, you know, the, the person in the vehicle was didn't like him because he was a motorcyclist. But I don't, that might not necessarily been the reason. Maybe he just didn't see him. Um, and again, like, that's why, like, myself... Like when I used to have a, a, a trail bike, like I this is when I lived at home, and we lived on an acreage, so there yeah there was country roads for me to drive on, and and you know we had some land that I could drive on, and and that's what I did. Like I I didn't uh, want to get my highway license, um, just because like you know like there's no there's no question like you know if it comes between you and a in a car, you know, you're going to lose. And, um, you know, later in life, like, uh, I, like there's a guy I know, he was riding a motorcycle to work in the early hours and he hit a moose with it. Oh, and yeah, he was messed up for a long time. Um, like, I, I think he had to have like the, the neck brace thing and, and yeah, he was messed up. Um, and then also, oh God, this is probably going back. I don't know. Like it was when I was with my wife, but we might've been just married or just dating. I can't remember, but we came upon a, a motorcycle accident. Um, like the ambulance and the cops were there already, but, we knew that they were dead like because there was so much debris and it was all the mo pretty much all the motorcycle and i believe it was a husband and wife and i think they both died um and yeah you know it just i don't know well and and i i understand the look twice save a life mm -hmm. and, and you're right like depending on where they are to your vehicle, you might not see them. And it's got nothing to do with, I don't like motorcyclists. It's just like, I could not see you. You were in a smaller thing and where you were positioned, you were in a place where I can't even see you. Yeah. And it, it's because the motorcycle is smaller than the car. All right, well, let's take that argument. And if I'm in a car and I'm passing an 18 wheeler, I think most of us speed up to get out of that 18-wheeler's blind spot as fast as we can because yeah. we don't want the 18-wheeler switching lanes as well. And also, where are you supposed to go? The shoulder and cross your fingers? Yeah. You know, like, you, when you're passing the 18-wheeler, you try to get to the other side of it or at least close enough, you know, that you're within the driver's 
vision. Yeah. So you don't have that happen. So in theory, using that same logic, if I was on a motorcycle and I'm passing a car, I'm like, okay, let me get around as fast as I can so they can see me. Let me judge everything else going on. Do I think this car is going to, you know, like if I'm passing an 18-wheeler, I look ahead. Is this 18-wheeler possibly also going to move into the left lane? No? Okay, here's my window then. Yeah. You know, if I'm in motorcycles, this car about to get into the other lane, then maybe I should wait or hold back or speed, you know, something other than being in right instead of putting myself in a spot where an accident could happen. Yeah. And again, this we're going to get we're going to get angry letters, Chris. <laughs> again, this is just us talking. Like, in no way, you know, like we don't know what happened with uh, Mr. Williams. Um, right. But uh, you know, I just you know I feel for for him and his family. Like like you said, Kev. Like he was just posting the other day about enjoying life, and and he was one of those guys. Like he was in really good shape and and in good health, seemingly. So I mean, he probably would have lived a lot you know, great many years yet. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that's not going to happen now. All right. So last but not least on this unfortunate segment, uh, and this is a big one, I think for Kevin and I, uh, comic book artist legend, John Romita senior has passed away June 13th in his sleep. He was 93 years old. So that, you know, that was a good run. Um, for those who don't know, he co-created Wolverine, uh, Mary Jane Watson, and The Punisher in his career. He was the guy that took over for um, Steve Ditko on Spider-Man when Steve Ditko left. Um, amazing artist. Uh, he, uh, not to be confused with his son, John Romita Jr., um, who's also a good artist, a great artist. Um but, um, yeah. And I mean, like I said, you know, that was a good age, uh, you know, uh, 91 that, or sorry, 93. That's a good run. That, that is. Um, but still sad to see him go. Uh, so I have a tweet here from John Romita Jr. Uh, and it's, it says, I say this with a heavy heart. My father passed away peacefully in his sleep. He is a legend in the art world and it would be my honor to follow in his footsteps. Please keep your thoughts and condolences here out of respect for my family. He was the greatest man I ever met. And uh, there's a picture of uh, John Sr. holding up a cover of uh, that he did for Amazing Spider-Man. And it's got Doctor Strange on there, and I think the Chameleon, maybe? I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah. So, Kev, what are your thoughts on... Uh, John Romita Sr. Oh, I mean, I, I know Ditko was Spider-Man's first artist, but John mm -hmm. Romita is the, like, he, he's Spider-Man's first artist. He made Spider-Man iconic. Yes, he and did, yep. Not knocking Ditko at all. I have great respect for Ditko. Yeah. But John Romita is the first Spider-Man artist. Um, there are so many iconic images and panels and covers and everything showing up today. Um, it did not give today and yesterday actually. It did not give the attention it should have. Yeah, I don't think. Like it should have been trending higher. It should. Have, and and I, I'm at fault myself because I'll usually post a lot of that stuff too, and I didn't share anything. Maybe I will tomorrow. Feel bad that I didn't. Mm. But um, don't feel bad. Yeah. You know, but I mean, even, even like 
I, I would say even the 60s Spider-Man cartoon was in Romita style for mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Just like, you know, Spider-Man's been blessed with, and you know, arguably, I'd say probably X-Men are the only ones that could run with him, but like, Spider-Man's been blessed with iconic artists working on him. Yep. And Romita was the first. And it's still, a lot of that stuff still holds up against McFarland and Larson and Bagley and, you know, his own son, John Romita Jr. And, you know, so many others there. Um, and, 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 you know, like, I, I think to some listeners this will make sense. Um, and I could, I'm trying, I'm trying to do the math here. I don't think I'm totally wrong. I'd say John Romita was the first one to draw a pretty girl. Yeah, he he definitely folk like I mean Mary Jane was like she was stunning, right? Like when when she revealed yeah. herself, um, you know, like the whole you know face a tiger, you've hit the jackpot. Um, and and if I remember correctly, um, from uh, the book Marvel uh, Comics: The Untold Story, I believe he like consulted like fashion magazines and stuff because he um you know wanted the characters to look good especially the women so he would you know focus on like you know feminine features and and um you know making them look more glamorous than they had you know no offense to ditko but under ditko's run um and yeah he he if I remember correctly, he originally didn't want to take on Spider-Man because, um, for those who don't know, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, like, they basically weren't talking the last couple of years that they worked on Spider-Man together. And there was rumors that Ditko was not happy and that he was thinking about leaving and all this other stuff. And so Stan, because um, uh, John Romita Sr. was drawing Daredevil, uh, had them do, or maybe he was writing it. I, I can't remember. Uh, do a story where Spider-Man was was uh, teaming up with Daredevil in the Daredevil book, and he was doing this to see how uh, John Romita Senior would do drawing Spider-Man. Like it was like an unofficial audition for because he knew that Ditko was going to be leaving. Like he just he just knew. So when Ditko did leave, he's like. He kind of just threw it at him. He was like, yep, yeah, now you're the Spider-Man artist. And, you know, of course, uh, John Romita Sr. didn't want to do it because he didn't want to, you know, try and upstage Ditko because he really liked Ditko. Um, but he, he, you know, was a company guy. He was a team player. And he just uh, went with it. And he made it uh, his own. And, yeah, like he his attention to detail... Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Kev, you know, all props to Ditko, but, uh, John Romita Sr., that was when Spider-Man really, you know, became, you know, an amazing comic book, I think. Because he, yeah, he was I, a great I, artist. Yeah, I'd say Romita's where Spider-Man took that next evolution. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, I understand... 
I understand the argument in comics of like, well, who created a character? Okay, mm-hmm. this is the writer and the artist that worked on the comic when this character first appeared. But that does not mean those are the only creators of that character, though, as as the character evolves. Yeah. So, I mean, in a way, you got to throw Rumita in there for what he did. And yep. then, you know, other artists since. And, and this holds for lots of characters. Chris Claremont didn't create the X-Men. Well, he made the X-Men what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, we, we end up having lots, lots of parents for these characters. Yeah. But Ramita would be, you know, the third parent there, just behind Lee and Ditko. Yeah, it's kind of like that saying, you know, where it takes a community to raise a child. It's kind of like that with yeah. comic books. It takes a community of creators to really create a, a, a character or a book. You know, unless, you know, it's like one singular person that works on it the whole time, you know, then maybe, but that rarely does that happen. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, he died peace, peacefully, so that, that that's, you know, good, and it was a good run, 93 years old, so he will be missed, for sure. And, yeah, like that, that era of comic book creator, you know, like... You know, they're almost all gone. You know, Ramita's gone, uh, Ditko, Stan Lee, of course, Jack Kirby. Yeah, you know, I, 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 sorry, sorry. I say I can't remember. I can't remember who posted it. I saw it on Twitter, and it, it was someone re- share, you know, retweeting anyway. So it wasn't someone I usually follow. Mm-hmm. But the point was. Um, this is the death of the Silver Age. Yeah, well, pretty, like, yeah, probably pretty close because Roy Thomas is still around. Um, but that's kind of it, I think. In terms, like you know, like on on the DC side, like a lot of them are gone too. But I, I think because Roy Thomas, he was just a kid when he came in. Uh, so he he was kind of younger than them, uh, but he's getting up there too. Like I, I'd say he's probably in his eighties now. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's we're getting getting close. Yeah. But anywho, uh, let's move on to our new segment. Uh, so I ha- have another tweet here. And this is from Pat Sajak. Uh, well, the time has come. I've decided that our 41st season, which begins in September, will be my last. It's been a wonderful ride, and I'll have more to say in the coming months. Many thanks to you all. If nothing else, it'll keep the clickbait sites busy. And that was a tweet he sent out June 12th, 2023. So Pat Sajak, the host of The Wheel of Fortune, is going to be retiring. And again... You know, we just were talking about the end of an era, and this is, you know, like, you know, um, an end of that era of of, uh, game show hosts. Um, You know, obviously Bob Barker, you know, has long since retired. Um, And I think a lot of those uh, hosts from the 70s and 80s, most of them are gone now. Yeah. 
and Pat Sajak, you know, he's, as far as I, you know, I can remember, he's like, you know, because obviously Alex, Alex Trebek, unfortunately, isn't with us anymore. Um, but yeah, he's like the, the last of that era, I think, that's still out there hosting. Um, I mean, not that I watch Wheel of Fortune all that much. Occasionally I'll watch it. Um, I used to watch it more when I, you know, when I lived at home because, you know, my mom, she's a big game show nut. Um, so she, she used to watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy pretty much on a daily basis. Um, but, you know, every once in a blue moon, I'll, 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 I'll see it and, you know, just basically just to see how Van is doing. Um, and she, you know, she was a boyhood crush of mine. She still is like, she still looks amazing, you know? Um, but Pat Sajak, you know, he's, he's got to be getting up there too, but you know, he's doing pretty good, but yeah, it's 41 years. That's, that's, that's a long time for anyone at any job. Um, so, so kudos to him. So Kev, what, what are your thoughts on his retirement? Uh, makes, I, I'm curious, you know, and I mean, all right, so he's been doing it 41 years. So he's got to be in his sixties or seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly had work done because yeah. it doesn't look like he's in the sixties or seventies. No. Um, and I mean, Wheel of Fortune such a icon. Like, look at Jeopardy. Like, they're going to mm-hmm. continue it. You know, uh, um, you know, maybe Van will host for a little while. Although they they have had her do it before as a guest host thing, and she's not that good at it. No. Um, you know, tr- try out different people to host, land on one eventually, I guess. Uh, the show's going to continue for sure. Oh yeah, um, you know, and I mean, he's pretty much just done Wheel of Fortune, and you know, every so often they do like a primetime Wheel of Fortune, you know, during the summer, you know, specials or whatever. Mm-hmm. But other than him trying his own talk show, it's been Wheel of Fortune, and that's been it. Yeah, and and that talk show lasted a couple months, I think. Yeah, it wasn't very long. Yeah, um, and he also like. Uh, there was an article forever ago, and I can't remember the exact time frame, but, I mean, like, he does not work that much over the course of a year. No, because they film, like, like they a, a whole bunch episodes. of them. Yeah. Yeah, he's only working at most six months. I think it might even be down to, like, four. Yeah. Yeah, because they just take, they probably take a tape a week's worth in a day. Yeah. Yeah, so he doesn't have to do that much for and you got to imagine all the years it's been going on he's gotten raises every year mm-hmm. um wheel fortune like other than a, a game show network or buzzer and and, he, and those things are i mean not recent recent but you know fairly recent i'll say um well i don't know because i was gonna say it's not like he's getting money for repeats because pretty much the new episode airs and that's it you know, it's not like, it's not like it's, uh, you know, you don't really see like older episodes other than like a game show network thing. Yeah. But I, I'm saying that, however, it wouldn't shock me. And, and I don't know. I, I wonder, cause like you get the same version of Wheel of Fortune I would, mm-hmm. but we're, we're neighbors. But I wonder, like, do other countries have, like, their local version of Wheel of Fortune, which would make sense. Mm-hmm. Or, if, or if they have, I'll, I'll word it this way, if they're an English-speaking country, do they just get our Wheel of Fortune? 
Yeah, that I don't know. But, um, and, and also, I mean, like, alright, so he's been doing it 40 years, but someone mm-hmm. like that, that's been doing it that long, like, can he retire, or would he just retire from Wheel of Fortune, and then, like, a couple months later, he's bored, and he's doing some other game show? Yeah. Or something else, because he doesn't know how to sit at home. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, uh, Bob Barker, like, when he retired, yeah, he only came back, it. yeah, he came back for like one segment I think on the 50th anniversary or something like 2013 I want to say um but that's kind of it but I know he also does and, a and lot of charity work though so true and he's still alive too mm-hmm. yeah I think he's like 98 or 99 I want to say yeah he's just been out of the public eye so long I think people forget he's still alive <laughs> Well, he actually came into the public eye locally for me uh, a few years ago because at the Edmonton Zoo, they had an elephant that he was, like, his uh, group was trying to relocate to uh, some sanctuary that he's a part of. Uh, So he was actually up in Edmonton. This might even be, like, 10 years ago now. He was up in Edmonton protesting... Uh, this this elephant that they had at the zoo, um, and I think they eventually did move that elephant, if I remember correctly. But because I think he's against zoos, period. Like he doesn't. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like he like he's okay with sanctuaries, but not zoos where they're you know caged up and you know kind of taken out uh, for a walk every once in a while. Which I totally get. I, I'm kind of for that, too. Um, even though, like, admittedly, I, you know, like, I, when I took my kids to the zoo, I, I do enjoy, like, seeing them. Um, you know, we went in, we went to the Calgary Zoo in 2019, and they had, like, pandas there. Um, that they, that were only there for, like, a year or two. And it, it was, it was awesome seeing those pandas like i could watch pandas all day that that, they're they're a lot of fun um they're just clumsy and goofy and roll around and have a good time but at the same time i feel bad that they're caged like that um you know i know i wouldn't like that if i was put in a cage and i was only allowed to like go for walks once a day or something i know i wouldn't like that um so i so i totally understand bob barker not wanting zoos to be a thing and same with carnivals um like like not carnivals but um circuses um Mm -hmm. because i know like there was this circus company that used to you know go through western canada and when i was a kid they used to have elephants because i remember going on an elephant ride um you know where you go up and sit sit on them what they don't tell you is that elephants kind of stink and they like to fart. And I was unfortunately seated, seated towards the back of the elephant. So it didn't smell very good. Um, but I can say that I rode an elephant. Um, but that being said, like, yeah, like that circus now that I don't think they have any animals. I think that's kind of a thing of the past. Um, 
basically they just do like trampeze type of acrobatic stuff and motorcycles and like they have the ball you know where the motorcycles go up and down and that sort of thing um but that's kind of it like the animal asked and i mean they have they had horse i mean this was a few years ago they had horses like people doing horse tricks like standing on the horses and that sort of thing um but that was kind of it i think the only animal that the last circus i went to just had horses um so kudos to bob barker i'm not i'm like i you know not giving him all the credit but i know people like him <laughs> you know are the reason why these you know these animals are no longer being held in captivity and and stuff and that's a good thing um but at you know coming back from that tan tangent um pat sajak yes he he's retiring from wheel of fortune um so uh i i'm a i've said this before i'm a big fan of law and order i've been watching a lot of law and order recently because crave tv um got a bunch of the classic law and order seasons on on uh their uh streaming service so i've been re-watching a bunch of the old ones so anyway i was googling something and the an ad for law and order toronto came up apparently law law and order is coming to canada law and order toronto crim uh, dot dot criminal intent will begin filming in toronto with canada city tv to debut in spring 2024 so this will be a law and order series set in toronto but done in the style of law and order criminal intent so it'll be you know seeing you know the crime from the criminals perspective also the detectives um investigating i think the reason why they're kind of leaving the law or the sorry the order part out of it is because maybe the you know canadian legal system isn't as interesting as as uh new york state but uh i just think that's cool law and order toronto criminal intent that'll be coming out in spring 2024 i don't know about international release all i know is it's going to be on city tv up here in canada in spring 2024 i'm assuming it'll be available in the states and on somewhere else maybe the peacock app I i'm not sure but uh yeah so that that's coming next year right uh kev uh you were gonna say something no i just said nice i oh. i i've tapped out on all the law and order stuff i mean it, it'll be interesting different locale different you know cast i'm assuming and all um some stuff will be very cool but i just um for for my my own lines of entertainment um law and order series are just not for me oh i and uh, i i get that it's not, it's not for everybody um you know I, I know a lot of people like csi that uh, csi is not for me I'm, I'm more of a law and order guy myself um but I'm wondering with this series, because I know in the 2000s, in the early 2010s, uh, they were doing Law & Order UK. 
So this was a law and order that took oh, place. I forgot about that. Yeah, this was uh, a series that took place in obviously the United Kingdom and in, in London. Um, and Jamie Bambar, who played Apollo on the new Battlestar Galactica, he was one of the cops, and his partner was, um, oh, he was one of the companions on the on the Jodie Whittaker, um, Bradley. Bradley Walsh. He he was one of the the companions on the Jodie Whittaker Doctor Who um, the first couple seasons she did. Um, he also hosts a number of game shows over in, in the UK. Uh, he was on Coronation Street for a while. Great actor. I really liked him. Um, and I don't know these actors' names. But the, act, the guy who was the Blue Squadron leader on Rogue One, um, he was uh, one of the, the the attorneys in Law and Order UK. And then, if you remember in The Force Awakens, when they go to the Princess Leia's base, and Chewbacca is getting like nursed back to health, and he's talking to this nurse, and and she's telling, "Oh, you're you were really brave. You did really good." Uh, that lady was the head cop on on Law and Order UK. She was the oh. lieutenant character. So yeah, I love seeing these because I really like that series, and, and I love seeing those actors show up in other things. But the thing with Law and Order UK is they just took Law and Order stories and did them in the UK. So I'm kind of wondering if this Law and Order toronto criminal intent if they're just going to take episodes of criminal intent like take stories from you know the criminal intent series and just redo them with a in a canadian context i'm kind of wondering yeah. if that's what they're going to do which i'm okay with but having watched you know having watched all the you know uh, criminal intent um you know, I imagine I'll be watching these things and being like, wait a minute, I know what's going to happen now. Because um, that's kind of what it was like watching Law & Order UK. I'm like, I think I've seen this before. And I, and obviously I had because they just adapted it from the from the original series. But yeah, I, I just, I'm, 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 ha I'm happy. I think that's really cool that they're doing something like that. Um... All right, so the next thing I got is Indiana Jones 5. Um, it debuted at the Cannes Film Festival, and it continues to make headlines, but not for good reasons. Um, the critic score, I believe, on Rotten Tomatoes is 51. But if you go, because there's a verified critic score as well, and it's actually at like a 46. Um, so that tells me that this is probably not going to be a good movie. And the reason why I say that is because Disney... Basically, if, if you're a critic and you speak out against, out against Disney, they don't invite you to future showings and future reviews and all that kind of stuff, right? They kind they kind of, you know, are harsh with critics um, if they speak out against them. 
So for for these critics to give it such a bad score and to actually like some of them, some of the reviews are pretty honest, you know, in in saying they don't like it. Um, it it doesn't bode well, I don't think, for for indie. Um, and then I I also heard today um, that Harrison Ford did an interview. Uh, I can't remember where he did this interview, but basically, um, there's a number of different endings that they shot for this movie, and the one that they uh, promised Harrison they were going to use involved. Um, oh, I can't remember the actor's name. The guy, the guy who played Short Round, uh, he was. Oh, um, yeah, I can't remember the name. Yeah, he was just. Uh, just won a, an Oscar for everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, he was going to be in one of those endings or in the movie. No, maybe that's what it was. He was going to be in the movie, but they cut a scene out or something. And Harrison Ford was not happy about it, apparently. Um, so, I don't know. And apparently they shot like five or six different endings but the ending they settled on was uh, one, and this is you know hearsay, but this is what I've heard was this was the ending that Kathleen Kennedy chose, and it wasn't the ending that Harrison Ford wanted to use. So I guess there's some tension there, possibly. Hmm. Um, so I don't know. I just I love Indiana Jones, and I just. I don't want to see him go out on a whimper. I'm fingers crossed. I'm hoping, you know, when I go see this movie, because I can't help myself. I, I, I love Indy. I love Harrison Ford. He is a good actor. Like even, even now, like, um, he did, uh, earlier this year, he did the 1923 series, um, which is in the Yellowstone universe. Uh, and he was amazing. Him and Helen Mirren were just fantastic in that show. Um, like Harrison Ford was born to play a cowboy. He really was. Um, <laughs> you know, like I know he was in Cowboys and Aliens, but you know, wasn't my favorite movie. It wasn't bad, but um, not quite. Yeah, I, 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 I would have preferred to see him in a straight up like western. In um, nineteen twenty three. Because it takes place in Montana, you know, there's still a lot of horse riding, a lot of cowboy type of stuff, right? Um, and he and he's just great in it. He's fantastic, and um, you know, so I just hope that that this this movie's going to be good for him. But I I just fear that it's not because unfortunately. When it comes to celebrities, you know, sometimes the paycheck means more than, you know, the character. You know, yeah. example, you know, Patrick Stewart with, with Star Trek Picard. Like, I, you know, I went into Star Trek Picard saying to myself, there's no way Patrick Stewart would involve himself if it was mediocre. But he did because they paid him a lot. So, you know, hopefully this is not what's going to happen with Indy. Although one one positive I did hear was that Phoebe Waller Bridge 
isn't as bad as people think she's going to be in this movie. But I don't know if that's a compliment either, because not as bad is still not saying she's great. So Yeah. But anyway, I I, I really think Disney's kicking themselves in the ass for not having a short round as his companion in this movie, given that he's now an Oscar winning actor. Um, I mean, unless it's some like big surprise of the movie, and that's why it's not in anything. Yeah, they that, want that reaction. That, but but I mean, like instead of Phoebe Waller Bridge, have him be that you know, like that character going with Indy throughout the movie instead of Phoebe yeah. Waller Bridge. Not that I have anything against her. Like I've never seen her in anything. I've I've never watched that show she's on on Amazon. Um, but you know, I I don't know. I'm so conflicted. I I'm, I know I'm gonna go see it, and and I know I don't know. Set myself up, I guess. We'll see. Um. All right. So what else do I got? Uh, Kev, did you have anything for the news segment? Um, it's not, it's not worth breaking down or anything, but, um, pretty much all the Marvel dates got switched around. Oh, right. Yeah. Which, it was expected. I, I was just like, especially when they announced Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, I'm like, they're not going to hit these dates for, for many reasons. Yeah. Um, so I knew it was coming. I knew it would be shuffled around. And then especially with the writer's strike, I was like, well, it's definitely going to happen now. Uh, the only thing was Deadpool's far enough that Deadpool actually got bumped up and whatever movie was going to come out then is the one that got mm. delayed. That's and Deadpool good. 3 is actually going to be sooner than originally expected, but everything else got, you know, pushed back yeah. a couple months to a year. To be expected, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I yeah. would... I, 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 Sorry. No, uh, I was just going to say, especially with Deadpool being moved up, because that's the one I actually want to see the most. Yeah, and, and I mean, we've done this dance before to the point where, you know, like, it's pointless to discuss, okay, well, here's when Avengers comes out now, and here's the other movies we think will take place around it. No, until we're, like, a month away from a movie, I'm going to assume the dates could change. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's that we're, like, figuring out or what or what we think box office or, Oh, it's opening opposite this movie. Is that going to split the audience? Like, no, these are months, many months, if not years out. I'll, I'll worry about it when it's closer. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, before we move, we move on to the brain candy segment, I to- I was going to totally ask you this at the beginning of the episode, but I was just thinking about it now. Um, so did you you live in New York state. Did you get smoked out? last week from all the fires up here in Canada? Oh, yeah. Was was so it, it was it apocalyptic where you were where you're at? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, it was spooky. Yeah. Um, it was just like this uh, yellow-orange film to everything everywhere you looked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Someone said it was it was like the whole world was sepia toned. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, pretty much. Um, 
and, and it was so weird too because uh sitting at work and it just it seemed like a overcast day like i didn't realize what was coming i was just like all right you know it's kind of kind of a weird morning but sometimes that just happens and yep. then you know as the sun comes out it just clears out and all and i was like all right it just feels kind of weird whatever and then looking out the windows at work you could almost see like this curtain of yellow moving you know left to right or, or whatever direction it was mm-hmm. like it's getting weird out yeah so pretty much all of us at different points went outside to go look and I was like, I just need to go outside and look and, and get a couple pictures. And my pictures weren't that great. You know, like some people had amazing pictures of how it looked. Yeah. Um, but the crazy thing was, so go outside for like five minutes, just kind of looking around. And I'm, I'm seeing how far down the road I can see, you know, like how much distance I, I'm noticing for it. Mm-hmm. And when I went back inside was when I realized, I'm like, oh, my God, I was breathing in all that smoke. I'm like, my lungs hurt. Yep. Um, and, and we weren't even the worst area. Like some areas of New York were even worse than we were. And then there was, uh, like Pennsylvania into DC area, um, DC area where my dad is. I didn't realize there was a code purple for this stuff. Mm. Like I knew yellow, orange, red, and it's pretty much like, you know, uh, it's okay. It's not that bad. If, uh, you know, if you're elderly or have respiratory issues, stay inside. Like, they got full-blown purple, which was no one should be outside at all right now. Yeah. I was just thinking, you can't be kidding me. And it was, honestly, it was for a few days, and it was just because we got a ton of rain one day. And that really, like, a ton of rain and a wind shift. Mm -hmm. So that really cleared a lot of it out. But everyone's saying, you know, like, I've never seen this before. I've never experienced this before. I was asking... I'll say older people at work, you mm-hmm. know, much older. Yeah. I said, the only thing I know of is in, in reading, you know, history and stuff. The only thing I can guess is when Mount St. Helens erupted. Mm-hmm. And they said that that just blanket, you know, it got caught by the right wind and it just blanketed the country with ash and smoke. Yeah. And a lot of them were like, you know, wherever they were living at the time or they weren't old enough, they're like, I don't remember. Or I wasn't living anywhere that that would have been a thing. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, I said, I'm just asking because that's the only thing I've ever even heard about that I could compare. Mm-hmm. But yeah. and, and, and we're all like, oh, uh, you know, a once in a lifetime experience. And I'm like, wait, climate change is happening. Maybe not. Yeah. No, it's going to happen again. Yeah, they're saying that, that, that we're going to probably see, be seeing more of this, uh, especially in Canada, because, um, you know, we used to get a lot more moisture. Like our winters, like our winters are not that harsh, even from when I was a kid. Um, like we don't get the snow that we used to. So um, in the spring, our, our forests aren't as... Uh, damp as they should be so they dry out really fast following winter so if there's no rain yeah it's 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 not good um so yeah like what you guys were experiencing that's what we were experiencing like a month ago um because like up in canada our our major news outlets are based primarily out of toronto and ottawa 
Um, so it, it's just funny for, for, for us living, you know, closer to the West coast. Um, when we, when we were getting the smoke, you know, like they were, they were talking about it and stuff, but it just seemed like when it finally hit Ottawa and Toronto, like that's when it, like they were really hammering home, like the air quality and, and, and how bad it was. And it's like, yeah, we know. We, we that that was us like two weeks ago, um. So you know that's just the way it always goes with with up here in Canada because I like I said our news outlets are based out of Ontario primarily. So if if it doesn't affect them, it doesn't really get top priority. Um, but uh, one of the fires that's still burning in Alberta. Uh, actually is close to where my son lives and his town actually got evacuated. It'll be a week ago on Friday. Um, and they probably won't be going back until maybe next week. Like, I don't know. Like it's, it hasn't hit the town, so that's good. But I think it was only an arm of it was like a kilometer from their town. So it pretty close. Uh, but for here like last week our our weather was like it was hot and dry again but yesterday it completely changed like we went from 31 yesterday afternoon to right now we're at 10 degrees celsius and and it's raining like it, it 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 went from like I'm being unbearably hot like I, like it was so hot like I was uncomfortable like I didn't feel like I, I felt bloated I guess because of the because of the hot weather and now it's like we're almost getting a chill like and but on the fortunate side it's it's been raining so that's good uh, but the unfortunate thing is some of that rain also brought lightning so hopefully we don't get some fires started because of lightning. Yeah. So, but anyway, I just wanted to, I just wanted to ask you, Kev, cause I, I, you know, when I was seeing all that stuff in New York, I was thinking about you and hoping it wasn't too bad for you guys. But yeah, unfortunately I think it's only going to get worse from here on in because now we're, we're next year. El Ni- we're hitting another El Nino event. So it's only going to get hotter because of El Nino. So, I don't know. Fingers crossed. Hopefully it won't be as bad, but. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to our brain candy segment. Um, so I, I actually don't have a lot to talk about this, this week, because like I said, I've been, I've been binging law and order. Like I've been, like, I've watched like four or five seasons of Law and Order since last we talked. Um, well, maybe not that much, but I, you know, in the last month or so, month and a half, I've watched about that much. Um, but I haven't really been watching anything new, so I got to get on that. Um, but I did purchase a book um, because I, I was on Twitter and I. Vincent D'Onofrio, who was on Law and Order Criminal Intent, he was Kingpin in the Daredevil series. He uh, posted on his Twitter that he uh, his children's book was just released, 
he did a children's book. So I so I went on Amazon. I looked looked him up as an author, and I actually found out he wrote a book a couple years ago called uh, called Mother. Uh, or no, not Mother. Yeah, Mother. Stuff and things. Um, so this book was not written; it was spewed. That's that's the the catchphrase. Um, so I'll I'll read this the the back cover, and it's a nice book. It comes in like this hard case, and it's got like a painting of Vincent D'Onofrio on the cover. Uh, so it's written by Vin Vincent D'Onofrio with a foreword by Ethan Hawke. Um, so this is a story. So, sorry, this is not a story woven around plot, characters, and contrivance. Rather, it is a book of words emanating from a mind on idle. It is what the frontal lobe of acclaimed actor Vincent D'Onofrio's brain produces when he's not thinking about servicing a story. His words are, in the pure sense, ideas that fall unexpectedly upon his head. Lift an apple from a tree, dropping all at once. The stream of consciousness is less about gravity than Newton's apples, and more about levity. D'Onofrio's thoughts and images presented here in all their un uninhibited glory are humorous, honest, abundant, raw, and unfiltered, and all extremely enjoyable. So this book, you know, just kind of flipping through it, it kind of reminds me of um, when they released Cobain, Kurt Cobain's journal in, in a book format. It's kind of similar but I mean, this is not a journal. It's 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 got it's typed. It's got a lot of art and and different things in it. Um, like this one poem. It's called "I'm a pan I'm a panda bear with no pockets." <laughs> and then at the bottom it says, "I suck." Um, so yeah, I'm a little pink pig. Is another poem or story. I'm a hamster, I'm a mule, I'm a monkey with an organ-grinding friend, I'm a frog, I'm a duck. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. I ha I just got it t uh, yesterday. I haven't a had a chance to read it, but I love Vincent D'Onofrio. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, like I said, um, even before he you know, embodied Kingpin in the Daredevil TV series. Um, I was a fan of his from Law and Order Criminal Intent. Um, and super nice dude. Got to meet him in Calgary this year. So uh, I'm going to be reading that, and then I was going to order his, his kid's book. Um, okay. and, and speaking of kid's books, and uh, um, I know I mentioned this on... we we Prior to this podcast, we recorded Pop Culture Puppet. That's going to be released after... Um, my daughter Katie has wrote a kid's book and it's available on Amazon. It's called Best Mommy for Me. Um, and it is written and the art is by my daughter Katie. Uh, so if you want to go on Amazon, you can get it there. Uh, my daughter's name is Katie, spelled K-A-Y-D-E. Her last name is Paluski, P-A-W-L-U-S-K-I. And the book is called best mommy for me so that like vincent onofrio's children's book is available on amazon and then uh real quickly i haven't seen these yet but i'm going to be seeing them so ne our next recording i'll be able to give you my thoughts 
tomorrow night I'm going to go see Spider-Verse 2 um, with my daughter. It's playing at my local theater. She really liked the first Spider, uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man animated movie uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, so this is the second one of those. I liked it too. So um, I'm really looking forward to going to see that tomorrow night. And then Friday afternoon, I got my ticket uh, to go see The Flash um, in uh, in St. Albert, which is a city uh, just... It's a, it's a suburb of Edmonton, so I'm going there to, to watch it on Friday. So that that's what I got this week for Brain Candy. Kev, what do you got this week? All right, so uh, continuing stuff mentioned before, continuing to read Sandman this year. Um, I'm going to finish Big Bang Theory. I'm on the second to last season. I okay. just need to at this point. Um, watching Transformers movies with my kid. Um you know, usual wrestling and stuff like that. Uh, Letter Kenny dropped an extra episode for the season as just like a surprise. Okay. Um, it wasn't that good mm. overall. Uh, when that show started, I loved it. And there's still, you know, some good episodes. This one wasn't quite it. Uh, one group in town has an Australian cousins visiting. Another group has uh, cousins from New Zealand visiting. They meet up, they insult each other. And then uh, some Americans walk by and they decide to put their differences aside to uh, pick on the Americans instead. Mm. Kind of the whole episode with lots yeah. of, you know, uh, Australian and New Zealand uh, slang and, and phraseology and stuff like that that I'm not getting, but they must have thought it was hilarious. Yeah. You know, uh, now the big one um there's the comic out today called uh, Void Rivals. Yes. I, I picked it up. I haven't read it yet. Oh, my gosh. I can't say anything then. Robert Kirkman. Like, when I seen that that he was doing this comic, I'm like, I got to check it out. I love Robert Kirkman. Yeah. Yep. So this is Robert Kirkman's new thing. Uh, I was listening to podcast this morning. They were talking about it. They got, uh, I'm pretty sure they got an advanced copy. Nice. And they're just like get it before it's ruined, get it before it sells out at your store. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Robert Kirkman doing this. And I mean, like, I like Firepower, which mm-hmm. is that I read the first graphic novel, and I, you know, I'll read the rest eventually. Yeah. But I, I really like that. Um, I want to sit down to do Invincible at some point. Although I love Walking Dead. Uh, Astonishing Wolfman is a very underrated book that he did. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I like Robert Kirkman. So I'm seeing this, and it's like, it's his new book. But I'm see it's going to sell out today and then i'm seeing this is like this is going to be one of the best books of 2023 i'm like what the hell so i'm at work and i'm just like screw it um i had a like a amazon uh gift card credit thing whatever Mm -hmm. you know not credit card that's wrong word but like amazon gift card yeah or whatever and I was like, screw it. It's already on there for Kindle. I'm going to go ahead and grab it. So I'm sitting at work reading it. I get to the point where, like, the obvious point everyone's talking about. I'm just like, holy shit, you got to be kidding me. Well, so, I'm... yeah, we, yeah, we, we can discuss it next time because I'm sure you'll read it by then. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll probably be checking it out after this or first thing in the morning. Yeah, you, you know what? 
this spoils nothing. It's not talking about anything in it at all. Okay. It's just the best. It's the best example I can give. The fact that he pulled this off in 2023, like I'm gonna release a comic. I'm not gonna tell you anything about it, and when it comes out, everyone's gonna be going nuts. This is Thunderbolts level. Ooh, nice. Like, how did you pull off no one knowing what you're doing? How did no one leak it? Yeah. Well, that, that kind of reminds me of... Um, I just... I was watching an episode of Comic Tropes on YouTube, and he did uh, Superior Spider-Man. And that was kind of like that, where, you know, leading up to Spider-Man 700, like Dan Slott, he was throwing it out there on Twitter, you know, you guys should, you know, six. I think it started six ninety eight. You guys should really pick up this book. I'm telling you, it's got a, it's got a bit of a twist to it. And then, yeah, the whole, you know, Doctor Octopus being in Spider Man's body and and Peter Parker trapped in the dying Doctor Octopus's body was, yeah, like I did not see that one coming. Like that was that was awesome. So, but well, yeah. that um, was. Oh, they're going to do uh, Wolverine versus Predator at Marvel. Oh, that's kind of so cool. It looks like, yep, because uh, they've had the rights for it for a little bit now. Mm-hmm. So it looks like uh, Weapon X era Wolverine oh. is going to take out a Predator. Um, and it's, it's probably going to be the first of many for this. Oh, yeah. That's cool, because they, they also have the Alien license, right? Yep. Hmm. Yep, so we're all just kind of waiting to see what they do next. Wolverine versus Predator. Now, that's a heck of a start for it. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, they got to go Punisher versus Predator at some point. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Guardians of Galaxy versus Alien, maybe? Yeah. That, that, yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. And, and apparently they said... Uh, there's not going to be any Star Wars crossover, like maybe ever. That's kind of too bad. Uh, yeah, because I'm, but I'm also like, uh, like drop an alien or predator in for one of these works is, is very easily. But with Star Wars being a whole other galaxy, galaxy and frame and everything, like I, I'm not quite sure how you would pull it off, anyways. Well, and that, like, that being said, though, uh, E.T.'s people were seen in The Phantom Menace. That's true. So, you know. Interesting. It's precedent. Yeah. Did you have anything else for Brain Candy, Kev? Um, I mean, I've, I've read a ton of comics lately. Um just, you know, going through my own stuff and, mm-hmm. and deciding what I want to keep and get rid of and trying to get all caught up. Um, I finally read Dark Ages, which I think came out like two years ago. And it's pretty much like this electromagnetic pulse thing. I mean, it's revealed in the story, but I'll say thing mm-hmm. happens and everything electric stops working all at once in the Marvel, well, on Earth at least, in Marvel. So, like, 
you know, Tony Stark's armor stops working, the Quinjet stops working. Right. Like, I, I remember that. I, I, yeah, I, I, um, I read that. That was good. It was oh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it felt rushed overall. Yeah, it did. It, it, because what was it? Five issues? I yeah. Say. It, it, it should have been 12 issues. It could have been a series. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. You know, just an alternate world series. Um, so I liked it overall felt rushed. Uh, I read Golden Rage from Image. Okay. Which is, uh, you know, a, a future in which, uh, once women have menopause, they're deemed, uh, undesirable and they ship them off to an island. So instead of like a retirement home kind of thing, it's just this Lord of the Flies fight for survival island that they just dump all these older women on. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it, yeah, it's Golden Girls meets Lord of the Flies, pretty much. <laughs> nice. And, uh, again, it was like four or five issues and it just felt very rushed. Mm. Um, because like the end happens, I'm like, that's the end. I was like, you, you could have gone like two years with this storyline, minimum. Yep. Yeah. So like maybe there'll be more. I don't know. Um, Shock Shop is a uh, anthology of like here's a horrible movie host, host in the Elvira you know world of things mm-hmm. uh, but she uh, works in a comic shop so it's like oh welcome into my comic shop and it's you know like Elvira welcoming you for the thing mm-hmm. so the collection's four issues each issue was a flip cover style like here's half of one story and half of the other um, so you get two stories in each issue. I mean, really, you're getting two halves, you yeah. know, but it feels like you're getting more for your buck. And the collection collects all four parts of one story on one side, and then you flip it over and you get all four parts of the other story on the other side. Cool. And, you know, it, it, it's nice little horror, you know, in the EC vein. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a cute little thing for it. Um, the hell else? Do a power, I think I talked about do a power bomb last time, wrestling related yeah. thing, but it becomes so much more. Yeah. Freaking great. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta um, read that. I read the first issue, but I didn't continue on from there. But I, oh, I read Survival Street. Holy crap. Um, when, okay, so in the future, uh, corporations, um, get more and more rights as you know, as if they're people, mm-hmm. and so they need to maximize their profit. So one of the things that they do is they cancel, um, you know, a lot of social programs and all. So in this world, the thing that's canceled is public access. So mm-hmm. all of your puppet performers, like Sesame Street or Survival Street, as it's called here. Yeah. Are not just puppets that like lay in the ground after they're your felt Americans, <laughs> so they're actual like living, breathing people. Yeah. Um. So it's shut down and they can't get work in it or anything. And then like the whole world, it, it's it's a satire of the way stuffs going, almost like a the Idiocracy movie. Yeah. But a lot of it is hitting like way too close, and even in the back, they're like, "Hey, when we wrote this, this was pure satire." And then things happened in the last year that made this a lot less satire and a lot more like we're just holding the mirror up to what's actually happening, and that's kind of scary. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's the crew of Sesame Street gone rogue, and 
doing you know, guerrilla warfare to make the world a better place. <laughs> so it's so fucked up, but as a as a commentary on things going on in society too, it's brilliant. And the only reason it flew under the radar is because it's comic. Yeah. No, and uh, last thing, did I, I cannot remember because I've been talking to everyone about it. Did I do the Dickens and Prince book last time we talked? I don't think so. No? Okay, this is totally last thing then. Sure, yeah. I, I've been telling everyone about this. I've gotten multiple people to read it. All right, uh, Nick Hornby, who wrote High Fidelity, and I love the John Cusack movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a new book come out, and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll almost always, even if I don't read all of it, I'll at least check out anything new that he has, because mm-hmm. High Fidelity is one of my favorite books I've ever read in my life. So he has this book out, a nonfiction one called Dickens and Prince. So he's sitting down, he wants to write more, and he just wants background music. And he's like, who's who's someone with a lot of music? Just something I can play in the background for a while and get into a certain mood. You know, I'll, I'll live in this guy's, this artist's world for a while. Oh, right. I remember. Yeah, yeah you did mention the And he's listening to Prince okay. music. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then he starts getting get these comparisons to Dickens, and the yeah. more he deep dives on it, the more and more there are. Yeah, I've gotten like two or three people to pick this up and read it. Um, I'm just mad I don't own it at this point. I mean, it's brand new and it's hardcover, so I'll probably wait till it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Final last thing then, since I sure. didn't mention that. Yep. Uh, there's a thing on TikTok called Book Talk. People will just be like, hey, I read this book. It was really good. And for a lot of these writers, all of a sudden they blow up and they become like New York Times bestsellers and their old stuff comes back into print and they're making a fortune. Yeah, and you know, there's like, there's people on there that are like, here's, you know, like they only talk about the romance books or the horror books or whatever, and making bestsellers out of these titles. So one of them's like, hey, uh, if you're into like dystopian sci-fi, if you want a good read, here's the five best, uh, you know, sci-fi stories I've read. And the first one this person puts up. Harlan Ellison's I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Nice. Chris, it's out of print. Uh, It it is up to $200 for a used copy on Amazon. For I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream? Yup. For for the the version this person had in the the because I think they re-released it a few years... Because I have a copy. I'm not in my room, but... Because uh, he... No, even the, one, even the one a couple of years ago is out of print now. Really? Huh. Yeah, like 2019, 2018. Yeah, that one's out of yeah. print now, too. Okay. Because uh, those were the... Because the, the, he was doing all his books where it's, it's a picture of him with his pipe. And... Um, Oh, okay. I didn't find that one. You're right. I do remember that release. No, this was um like a green text one. Oh, okay. Green text picture. You're right. I forgot about him releasing those ones. Yeah, because I think I, I because th- I think like up up here, I think I got it through Amazon, but I think you can order them from like his estate. Uh, because that's where I got 
Dream Corridor Volume 2 from. And uh, I think his wife is still handling everything. Yeah, Ed, Edgeworks Abbey, I think. But anyway, um, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, you're fine. But, um, but see, I mean, it, it, it was blown up out of nowhere. That's awesome. This. And I'm wondering if it's going to um, cause uh, some reprinting to happen for his stuff, which I'd be thrilled with. Oh, absolutely. I, um, And, like, yeah, to me, that's my favorite Ellison story, I think. Like, it's scary and amazing. Like, it, yeah. Like it, I like. I don't know if they could make it into a movie, but I would love for them to do, uh, like a Harlan, like Harlan Ellison's Dream Corridor, but in a, like on HBO Max or something, because it would be like Black Mirror, like it'd be that type of style, right? Um, with a lot of his short stories and stuff, um, and I and that would be an amazing episode for a show like that. I have no mouth and I must scream. All right. Yep. So the the one that you're talking about, the cigar one, mm, or yep. pipe one, yep. uh, just sold for 100 on eBay. Holy crap. Yeah, be, because of this. Uh, the green green cover white text one I was talking about uh, sold for $72. Um, this is all like within last week. The old mass market paperback uh, black cover um, is a hundred to two hundred, depending on who's selling it. But then you go back like just two weeks ago before this TikTok, and it's selling for twenty five. Yeah, you're talking about. Oh wow, you're talking about the one where it's like him, but yeah, the, like the it's covering his mouth. Um, yeah. Yeah, I got it here for four seventy nine Canadian. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would have been the nineties release, that one. But yeah, I'm not seeing Yeah, it, it blown up it, it blew up because of this video. That's amazing. That's awesome. And, oh, I I would be so happy if it meant like, oh, these are all sold out, let's put them into print again. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean that's good for his his wife and his his estate, you know, um, because I think a lot of those they they have the rights to now, so they can go with any publisher they want. So yeah, maybe they'll be getting the publishers, you know, knocking on their door, wanting to to reprint the stuff. I, I'd be very happy with it, and yeah, it's it's because that video was on there because I mean like I'm, I'm just listening to other Harlan stuff from my own curiosity now uh, so the beast that showed love at the heart of the world uh, sold for $1.25 hmm. so it's not like a rush on Harlan it's a rush on this novel yeah well not novel because it's Harlan you know what I mean yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, no that's that's really cool and good for him you know because, yeah, it's been, what, five, it's, this is the fifth, five year now? He died in 2018, right? So it's five years Yeah. since he's been gone. 
and uh yeah i know uh just a month or two ago well we, i was talking about this on the podcast where i was watching old uh, uh um nightlines or not night not nightline but um oh uh, uh, uh late late show yeah um, with um with uh tom, tom snyder yes yeah i was watching the uh, whenever ellison was on there that yeah yeah, he was he was such a great writer and a, and such a um you know such an intelligent person you know and that, and that's good. I'm I'm glad that uh, that uh, people are are discovering him now. That, that's awesome. But yeah, of course, now I got to discover if I I I know I read it, but I don't remember if I have it. Well, I I think. Um, there is Harlan Ellison narrates a version. I think it's on YouTube where you can actually hear him, uh, read the story. Um, cause they also did a video game, uh, based on, I have no mouth and I must scream in the mid nineties. And he, and he did the voice of am in, in that game. Um, so yeah, it's. I'm just like when he passed away, like I just went, like I just went nuts buying Harlan Ellison books. So I I, I have a, like a bunch of his short stories in that in that style, like I said with the pipe and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think the first one I ordered was that one. Uh, I have no mouth and I must scream. Um, not on here. Yeah, maybe they took it down. No, I, I, yeah, I got all the ones that I could find together to put on one shelf, one bookshelf. Yeah, and it's, uh, I have no mouth is not on there. That doesn't mean I don't have it. It could just mean I haven't found it again yeah. yet. <laughs> well, you, you'll be able to order it through the library. Like you, you'll be able to take it out for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, it actually it went through um, yesterday because uh, the guy. I usually work alongside with. He's a big Harlan fan as well. Yeah, because that's so that's he, how I first read it. Um, was yeah, I saw him. He was on Sci Fi Buzz. He was promoting the game, so I was like, I want to read the story because I'd never read it before. And I and I ordered it through our library system. God, that was I was like sixteen back then. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm gonna check it out again soon. Excellent. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, I think we can call this a podcast, Kev. Uh, but before we go, let's play that little game of where we can find you on the internet. And Kevin, where can we find you, sir? All right. You can find me across the internet on most social medias. I'm at Mask Library. Uh, MaskLibrary.com is also my home blog where I do a bunch of stuff. And I also contribute at times over at the Retro Network. Excellent. Um... Uh, aside from doing these podcasts, you can check out my blog at uh, randomnerdness.blogspot.com, and I do a, week, a weekly segment called Chris's Weekly Comic Book Picks, and one of my comic book picks was Void Rivals, um, number one, by Robert Kirkman. I recommended that this week. I recommended Green Lantern, uh, number two, and Doctor Strange, number four. Um, so if you're interested to see what I'm going to be reading 
that particular week in comic books, go to randomnerdness.blogspot.com. And please, again, um, if you want to check out my daughter's children's book, uh, uh, she's Katie Paluski, and it's available through Amazon. So check that out as well. All right. Well, on behalf of myself, Chris Lockhart, and my co-host, Kevin Decent, I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to Geek Fallout Reloaded, the news and discussion podcast for geeks by geeks, and we will see you again in the not-too-distant future. Bye.